Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to today's program. Here's a question for you. How many elders are abused in America? It's a tough question when you think about it. Rob Clement's here to discuss one of the biggest problems we face in the United States today, elder abuse. According to the World Health Organization, in 2017, around one in six people 60 years or older experience some form of abuse in their community setting. Now, let's think about that. For every one case, actually every one case of elder abuse, neglect or exploitation or self-neglect reported to authorities, at least five more go unreported. It's a problem. You might be surprised to find out who actually commits elder abuse. Also with us today, Scott Jordan's going to be talking about things to consider when you're selecting a trustee. That is, if you have a trust, how do you go about thinking about who should be the trustee? Should you use a family member or a corporate trustee? The corporate trustee may be preferable, but will the family like having to work with a corporation? Eh, that's sometimes a problem. You say, well, there's a person there. Yeah, but maybe that's not a family member. Stay with us and find out which is best for you. From our Did You Know files, this is kind of that market watch that we're going to give you. We'll give you a little bit of that. The S&P 500 lost 6.8% in October of this year. It's just past October. It's the worst month in more than seven years. Actually, since the September 2011 loss of 7%, it, it's the worst October since the index fell in 16.8% in October 2008 at the beginning of the recession. So, as of October 2018 began, the S&P 500 was up 10.6% year-to-date. That's the total return. And 31.1% of investors were bearish. Now, a third of you were bearish on stocks even coming into October and coming into the upcoming six months. Now, when the month ended, S&P was up 3%. Year-to-date, total return again, and a little more than 33% of you. Actually, 34.5% of investors were bearish on stocks for the upcoming six months, according to the American Association of Individual Investors. And what does that say? We're letting emotions gain control of our investing. Can't do that. Can't do that. Put all this in perspective, I just want to make to remind you, keep your politics out of your investing. And that sometimes is very, very difficult to do. Well, enough about economy and investing. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program or podcast of past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Like us on Facebook. Coming up, Rob Clemick, Elder Care, Scott Jordan, trustee. How do you select one? We're talking about the problem we see in Memphis and the Mid-South. It's elder abuse, and should you have the trust to protect you? 
you and who should be your trustee. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. All right. You you know, we talk about this on the program and we, we've actually kind of had so many questions about elder abuse. And one of the things that we find from so many people is how do I look at it and, and what is it? And, and that's a that's a real question. I mean, that's a real concern for a lot of people, just the identification. So let me start the program before I introduce our guests. It, just really to define what elder abuse is, it refers to intentional or neglectful acts. By a caregiver or a trusted, here's the key word, caregiver or trusted individual that leads to or may lead to a harm or some vulnerable uh, problem that the elder person is going to, it's going to cause with that elder person because of that act that was done by the caregiver, a neglectful or intentional act by the, the caregiver or the trusted individual. Well, let me introduce my people today. They are my guests today. They are excellent. They've done this program with us before. We've talked about this. But first of all, Rob Clement, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Good Rob, to be here. you're going to talk about the, the idea behind elder abuse. And, I am. and that's so important. And I know you do a lot of counseling with a lot of people today. And you see, you've actually experienced where you've you know seen people coming in that you've had to say, okay, maybe this is something we need to think about, and you've had to identify in those cases. So that's important for today. And also with me is Scott Jordan. Scott Jordan, you also, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Always a pleasure. You know, you also, again, as I think about it, you see those individuals that you talk about and that you're, you're working with and you manage and you go through that process with. So again, it's one of those things that it's just keeping our eyes open because it is the trusted individual sometimes, or it's that caregiver sometimes, and we've identified that as being a problem with a lot of people. So let me let me ask you this. When I actually say one case of elder abuse, neglect, exploitation, you know, for every one, there's, you know, there's five more that is not even talked about, that just goes undetected. And so, Rob, help me with this. Let's start with this question. Who commits Elder abuse. Now, about ninety percent of all elder abuse is committed by a trusted person within the family, and then the two thirds of those are usually adult children. So that uh, it's within that inner circle is where you see a lot of the elder abuse. So when you think about that, you, Rob, it's, you're actually saying, man, it's that people that that are right around the individual. It's not somebody coming in off the street. It's not that, oh, my goodness, that fearful, even though it does happen, that that unsolicited phone call from the guy that's in some other foreign land or something. That does happen, and we've talked about it on the program. But what you're talking about is the trusted person, the family person, the you know, the friend that is occurring, the 90%. This is amazing. I mean, and again, I know that comes uh, from the, the where you're getting that statistic is coming from the, the um, I can't remember where it's coming from all of a sudden. I can't, National, National Council on Aging. Yeah, yeah. National Council on Aging. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the point is, 
it's not a statistic we just dreamed up out of our eye. This is no. this proven. We see it all the time, and we need to be concerned about it. Is financial abuse most common? Do you see that being the, the number one, or how does it fall in there? Uh, it's about the third most commonly area as far as abuse for uh, for elders. and uh, But it is something that... It just kind of creeps in. Uh, when you talk with folks uh, that have been abused, you find that a lot of times they think they're doing the right thing by letting this person handle their finances or being in control of some of their other financial matters. And it just, uh, they find it in disbelief that a person is abusing them. So if you're saying it's third, you know, Scott, what would you say are the other two? I mean, the number one and number two. I think emotional, psychological abuse. And then, of course, there's physical abuse as yeah, well. Yeah, the physical that, that creeps in. You there. know, neglect is a problem. I guess Very neglect big problem. You know, is, a, is a huge issue. Well, if we're thinking through this process, and financial abuse is obviously the one that we see a lot, um, that I read somewhere that that was actually over $2.9 billion. That that was, a, again, and that comes again from a MetLife study on elder financial abuse that was done back in 2011. So that's a little old, but $2.9 billion, yeah. that's B, that's a lot of money. That's, that is a lot, and especially when you factor in the, the the idea that a lot of it goes unreported. So there's a lot that's not even included in any of those figures. Well, I, I know, and I, I want to make sure that I'm saying that, because I know what we see is that was 2011, when I think that's when that first one came out, 2011 MetLife. And so now we've got one that comes out from CNBC. They've reported a number, Rob. What's that number? Because that's what shocked me when Are I you read it. Are you seeing it? Thirty-six point uh, yeah. five billion dollars. Amazing. amazing! It's going from two point nine to. Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the economy and with the growth of assets and things like that. Because, guys, this is scary when you think about that much money in someone's hands who spent their lifetime and uh, planning on you know retiring and planning on having the ability to live comfortably. And somebody is taking advantage of them. Well, you've got your baby boomers that are now in that aging process of being cared for in many cases. So you've got a larger number of assets coming into the system because of the baby boomers. So that uh, that's leading to even higher numbers like we just read with the uh, that last $36.5 billion. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Let me ask you this, Scott. Who's at risk? Who, who, who do you see this? I mean, we're talking about elder. Okay, we said over 60, uh, but who's at risk? Who's at, You know, I think that the cases that I've seen more often involve women, uh, women and, and over age 80 is where you see a lot of people start to experience some type of abuse. Is that, do you think that's because of the lack of experience when it comes to that? or, or And it's, this is not just financial abuse. This is just that that vulnerability, you think, that's there? Is that what we're talking about? I think that's part of it. And, you know, we're relational beings. I think there's a there's a tendency to want to have relationships in our life, and that, that can lead to financial abuse because there's, there's a tendency to want to keep everybody happy that's that's, That's close, and, and that can lead to cases of abuse as well. You know, we we think about that, and, and I know there's so much of that's coming, you know, that we think about that we, we know of people that needs to have that 
relationship. There's a real emotional need as you age. Rob, I know, you know, you've got cases like that, but, but what are your thoughts on this? Well, I would add a, uh, a comment just at random that I've seen that, that, that really uh, was interesting to hear from clients because, and particularly, I have a lot of widows, and uh, they ask things like, Rob, who's going to change my light bulbs? Who's yeah. going to go with me to the ice cream store? And those are areas that, just like Scott was supporting about ladies, is because there is a need many times to have somebody that you trust, that you enjoy their relationship with, and that you're you're just looking for them. And, well, you know, uh, and you went through care. just two simple things: who's going to go to the ice cream store? Who's going to change the light bulb? Who? Well, you know, let's go down to the who's going to take help me take care of the car. I mean. All of the, just one thing after another, the air conditioner, you know, who do I call? And if they don't have that close association of family and friends that they can trust, how vulnerable are they really to the person who may actually intentionally be doing something or may not be intentionally, but just because he he just or he or she just continues to work with this person, they're beginning to do that abuse. Let me ask some questions here because I think our listening audience needs to understand. We're talking with Rob Clement and Scott Jordan. We're talking about elder abuse. Now, we kind of focused a little bit on this large number of thirty nine thirty six point five billion, which comes from a study that CNN and NBC put out in two thousand and um, two thousand and sixteen. Bottom line is, that's a big number. Financial abuse is critical. So let me start with this, Rob. What are some red flags that elders may, you know, that an elder person becomes this target? You know what I'm saying? What is, where is that looking? You know, here we are. I'm going to be, let's say I'm 85. So how am I going to be a target? Well, I I think for those that are caregivers and uh, and family members, uh, they look for things that are, are, uh, like large piles of things that lead to clutter. It mm. could be mail that hasn't been opened. It could just be the the disarray of their living quarters. And so if they're just their activities of daily living begin to be somewhat dysfunctional. And by that, I mean just their ability to get up, care for themselves, make sure that their place is organized, and also that uh, you know, it can be in the exterior. It could be that their grass is not cut. It could be just areas that give a sign that there might be something going awry here. All right, let's make sure we say that because large amounts of, say, unpaid bills, things that, you know, that just money is supposed to have transacted, you know, not not having enough money to cover food or not having enough money to cover their medicine, that's a that's a that's a tip that you need to be looking for. I appreciate the idea of junk mail, letters not open, stacks of this. Uh, right. You know, I, I I've been there. I, I've been there. I know what that means. I've actually visibly seen that in a person's apartment, and knowing and when the husband had passed away, I, I'm watching that. I'm I'm paying attention to that. And then third, you said unkept home, uncut grass. Un, unrepaired issues. I mean, that's just maintenance that just sides. They just forget to do that. That's beginning to show you signs that they're suspects for potential. They're not meaning that they're actually experiencing elder abuse, 
But they are a target. They could become a target. So pay attention to that. That's important for you to be looking for. For so anything else, Scott, that you want to add? No, I think I think you you did a great job of clarifying that because just just piled up mail and all that that, that doesn't signal that physical no. abuse is right. taking place or or financial abuse. It just kind of says, hey, there may be some physical or mental deterioration, which makes a person more an easier target. For abuse, you know, one of the things too that we talk about, guys, and I know we've all experienced this is all of a sudden, I'm always looking for is when somebody shows up in the office that was not in the picture five years ago, and they're now the trusted advisor. Right, I mean, right, I'm, I'm going, okay, wait a minute, let me, it's a stranger. And is this person is this person intentionally going to take, or are they really? And I hate to say this, but I'm suspect. I am suspect. I have to be. I suspect. think we have to be. And I'm telling, we're telling everybody listening: if you have that elder mom or that elder dad uh, or an uncle, you know, or an aunt that you're working with, and all of a sudden there's that third party that just out of the clear blue, that should be a red flag. That should be a buzzer going off in your head saying, wait a second, I need to find out as much as I can about this individual. They, um, you know, they end up being taken care of, taken advantage of financially, and that's a real, real problem from that standpoint. Right, and I think that's going to be an interesting part that Scott's going to speak to later on in the program about all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm the new trustee. Yes. I just And you never know that person. Right, yeah. right. That's a great, yeah. great point. You know, another thing is, is when we say you talk about that, I'm a new trustee, and, and Rob, to lead right into that, is all of a sudden a will, there's a change in the will. There's a new person, new person involved. I mean, new person involved that you didn't know anything about, and that's an issue that you have to be sensitive about, especially when you're looking at powers of attorney or um, maybe they they leave belongings to that um, nurse or, or that or caregiver yeah. or, mm-hmm. or something, and you're going, wait a second, what what's happening here? Why? And uh, you have to have that tough conversation. Anything else that you guys are looking for when you say these are tips that we need to be think- thinking about? Well, I think the uh, the thing that I've noticed over uh, my tenure is that uh, you see things that uh, are unusual habits that this person may have started, like ATM withdrawals that uh, that they haven't in the past. Maybe they used uh, were originally when you worked with them only took like one. A m- once a month withdrawal, and now they're taking it out more frequently. And you have to ask questions. Now, why is that? Is that budget number, are you going over your budget, and why are you going over it? Yeah. And a, a lot of times point. it can lead to some of the answers if that you I, gave uh, earlier. If I started doing that, guys, with an ATM machine, big problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use an ATM machine, you know? And I'm so, I mean, my point is, that would be somebody would That'd have to a have a flag. big buzzer going on. Right. But, you know, especially if there's an ATM being used and the person's in the hospital or, right. or, or you know, is confined to the home or something, that's a sign that, that you need to be sensitive and things like that. I always look at it, too. I know you guys think about this. Is You know, we get to a point in our life where we're pretty routine, and I look for things, if I'm talking to someone, I'm looking for something that's offline. Right. That doesn't fit. Right. That unusual purchase or that unusual pro- thing that they're thinking about or, you know, are complaining about. I mean, I've, I've actually, you know, had some things where people have complained about something that's mm-hmm. unusual and it's kind of triggering my thoughts from that standpoint. Well, and it can be a, a good thing. It's like the person says, I want to take a vacation and yet... 
it's unusual for that person to take a vacation by his or her own self. So yeah. well, that's a great point. That's a great point. Let me give us a, everybody a number. Here's what you do, and we're going to come back in just a few minutes and talk specifically about some tips for elder elders for you to prevent abuse. You're going to want to get a piece of paper and a pen and help you know write these down because we're going to give you specific tips or things to do to prevent elder abuse. But if you suspect elder abuse in your family, a neighbor across the street, or a, a, a friend of yours down at church or something like that, here's the number. First of all, you can go online to Family Safety Center. Dot O-R-G, FamilySafetyCenter.org. Locally here in Memphis and Shelby County, you can call this number, 901-222-4400. 901-222-4400. Or you can always call us at the office at 757-5757. A lot of numbers, a lot of things, but FamilySafetyCenter.org. That's the place to go to see what you can find. When we come back, I'm going to find out some tips, specifically how to prevent elder abuse. Scott Jordan and Rob Clement are my guests. Great subject, guys. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking with Scott Jordan and Rob Clement about elder abuse and the Family Safety Center Number is 901-222-4400. Or you can go online to Family Safety Center, familysafetycenter.org. If you want to report elder abuse or find more information, that's the place to go to. Just write it down someplace, put it where you may not need it today, but you may need it in the future. So, guys. Elders who are able to protect themselves need to have some of these ideas or tips what to do. And they need to be sensitive enough to at church or in the community or family across the street or whatever to share it with others and then be sensitive to help others do that. So we all need to be cooperating together to stop this huge business. I mean, face it, if it's $35 billion, it's a business that if people are just trying their best. And you've all seen it. It's been on 60 Minutes. It's been on the, you know, all these other news where people have been abused and they're, they look at each other and you feel for them. I mean, my heart hurts, but I'm thinking, boy, you should have been thinking about this. This is what you should have been doing. Now, the person, you know, suffering from dementia or something like that, that's a whole other ballgame. But these people... They just should have been thinking. So I want us to go through some specific tips. I'm going to start with you, Rob, of what to do, what to think about to avoid this from happening to you or anyone in your family. Rob, what's tip number one to prevent abuse? Right. The first thing you said, thinking about it. That's good. There's a difference between thinking with your head and thinking with your heart. And where a lot of people make the mistake is they begin to think, Oh, I'm not at risk out here. Mm. And, I, and you've got to be very careful. I mean, it's as simple as a warning today. If you're leaving a restaurant and it's evening and you're by yourself and your hands are full and you're going to your car, 
you're subject to risk there. So in this case, you know, we just say, be aware of your surroundings. Watchfully see what's going on. That's a great point. Is that, I mean, uh, let me put it in the other word. Be a skeptic. <laughs> that's, I think that, that's I mean, good. You know, I hate yeah. to think that I have to yeah. be skeptical to a family member or a neighbor or a dear friend, but put your skeptic hat on, run it through the skeptic test, and then move on. You know, the, the second thing, Jim, that I've seen is the opposite end of it. You, you find people that are doing what I call cocooning. Uh, they turn into a recluse. Yes. And they need to have people. We're We're made in a way that we need a relationship. Mm. But let's pick that relationship and make sure it's family, our dear friends that we've known and we can trust. Those that are closest to you. Yes. And just and let them know what what's going on in your life. I mean, be open. You know, it's hard to say skeptic and then on one hand say, well, no, be open. But the reality is skeptical with a sense of healthiness with that but open with a sense of healthiness with that. I mean, have that, friends. I, I like what you said. Don't be a recluse. How easy is it to do the, just that? Get in your routine. Get up every morning. You're by yourself. You're just going to watch television, and then you go to bed. No, get involved. Do something. Get out. Don't become a recluse. What's number three, Rob? Uh, let, me go to, let me go to Scott. I, I think a big one is if, if you're approached by somebody trying to sell you something or asking for a donation to a charity, never feel pressured into giving to a charity on the spot that you've never heard of, that you were approached out of the blue, or buy something, for that matter, by somebody. Don't be pressured to buy products, and don't ever give out your account and credit card information to a total stranger in a company you're not familiar with. That, so so be, protective be protective of your personal information. And learn to say no. Practice no. You know, Practice for, no. Ask for printed material. Yeah. Say, send me some information on that so you can do some research into the organization that's, that's trying to sell you something or ask for a donation. A tip, just a tip. As a uh, financial advisor, one of the things that I've encouraged clients as they run into something like this is just to simply say, you know what, that sounds like it may be something good. But I need to collect some information from you before Perfect. I do that. Send it to me via email or via regular mail, and I'll go over it when I go over it once a year to decide where I'm going to give to. See, that's perfect because what you're saying is step away, take some time, let your emotions get out of it, make an intelligent decision, seek wise counsel. The Bible tells us go out and seek wise counsel. Do some discerning about it instead of getting to the emotional heat of the battle and you having to make a decision right then. That's so good. That's great. Okay. What's an, what's another one? I mean, I love what you're telling me, guys. Well, it's good. I'm going to jump to something that we do uh, at least once a year and, and sometimes more often is we have a shred day at our office. Yep. And that's a time for folks to pack up all those receipts, all the things that they've cr- they've got credit card numbers on, and they bring it into a place that's a trusted place that it can be shredded and you know that it's not going to be out there blowing down the highway someplace. I love it. I love it. We had someone to come walking in the other day that had missed a shred day. <laughs> and they wanted to know, could we do a shred day today? And I said, uh, by the Francis actually, yeah, you know, we can't. Well, that was okay, except when it was one box, it was fine. <laughs> Two boxes, three boxes. So, you know, we do try to plan the days because we do have the professional shredders come in with their big truck. But we that's a very successful 
time. I mean, this is, is. Uh, people come in and, and bring enormous amounts of things. We don't think about that, but we do collect a lot of things that have personal data. Yeah. And I, I was kind of astounded the first few times we did it, how much stuff we oh, actually I know. got in. I know. So so you're saying a tip would shred, shred. all receipts of which your credit card numbers appears or any other personal uh, financial identification might be in any type of data that you don't need to keep. And then keep it, but keep it in a safe place. Well, I've seen also, Jim, for another tip is that if you're living in a community all of a sudden and it's not your home uh, and you walk down to your mailbox or you have a group mailbox, and sometimes I've seen uh, some clients that say, you know, I just didn't feel like walking this week down to my mailbox and the mail's collected in there. So that's another thing you want to be careful about is don't, you've said it several times, you keep a routine going. If you are accustomed to walking to the mailbox every day, which is a good idea that you need to get up and move. Move every day out to get that mail out of the mailbox. Mm. Don't just let it sit there and collect, because that's a sign to those people that are looking potentially yeah, a target. There's, there's somebody that's not involved anymore, and that's right. that's a good point. Credit report, guys, that's a big number. Can they? Can one. we? Should they? Should they check their credit card report? I think absolutely. Credit reports should be checked often. Uh, there's plenty of uh, services out there where you can get a credit report at least once a year, if not more often. Uh, there's there's credit monitoring services you can sign up for. I think just being aware and watching your credit and looking for any unusual or suspicious activity can go a long way toward preventing a lot of fraud. That's a great point, Scott. I mean, uh, again, it's just I like what you said, being aware. And that is something that we have a tendency not to do. Got a few seconds, got a few minutes to go. So credit reports, you said, um, checks. I mean, if I get a check in the mail, my Social Security check, now most of the time, doesn't Social Security, I think, say they just, they'll automatically set it up with a direct, direct deposit. deposit? I think right. they've gone to exclusively yeah. to that, yeah. which is a good thing. Which is I a think, good thing. I think using direct But a deposit. lot of people are getting checks. I know some people that are getting checks from rental property that yes. comes into their yes. mailbox, yes. or they actually have farmland that's got some rental, and they got these checks coming in, and that's something to be sensitive about. Sure, and that's that's a critical one, too, is uh, the, the more that you can get that goes immediately to your bank and doesn't have to flow through your hands, it just helps make sure that that money is going right into your account. So that's a that's a great, great thought. And, the, and I would say uh, when it comes to uh, anything else along that line financially, uh, you do need to be careful of people that are calling you and initiating a call about you giving out your personal information. I like to say that's a never, 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 yeah. never, never, never give out personal information of any kind to anybody calling you on the phone. Right. They are not who they say they are because who they say they are 99% of the time do do not make phone calls. Right. And you just need to put that never in there. Just I'm not going to do it. Never. Yeah. Never. It's not a if it is somebody that's serious about it, guess what? You'll get a letter from them that says I'm trying to call you, right, but you right. please answer the f- or some. Just don't do that. That's a never, I think never, never, never do good. that. Never unless, unless you initiated the call, right. you're 100 percent certain of who you're giving you. And verify. Just don't do it. And verify. verify. Never. Guys, let me summarize because these are so. These are quick tips for anybody. This is really for anybody, but specifically to today's program with elder abuse. Just a few seconds here left to prevent elder abuse. Number one, be aware or you are at risk of being exploited. 
by strangers and those closest to you. That's what you said. That's a perfect way to put that. Do not become reclusive. Rob, you mentioned that. If you're approached by anyone trying to sell you something, back off. Keep your emotions out of it. Do not buy products or services from a company that you're not familiar with. Don't get pressured. Just just back off. Just say no. Don't, don't allow yourself. You know, seek counsel. Stop. And you said it, Rob. Tell them to send you information. Give me a time to think about it. That's the whole idea. That's a great way to shred everything. <laughs> Maybe not everything, but shred anything that has your personal data. I love that. Be cautious with your mail. Check your credit report. Use direct deposit with your checks. And never give out information over the phone to someone who's calling unless you know They called. You initiated the call. Guys, that's great information. When we come back, Rob, you've done a great job of setting us up for this, for elder abuse, with elder abuse talk. But Scott's got to help us understand why we would select to use a trustee and how do you pick the right trustee. That's important. So many times people forget to do that and do it correctly. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to... Talk money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. After Britain's defeat in the Revolutionary War, both Spain and the U.S. claimed much of the land east of the Mississippi River and maintained a network of frontier military bases along the Mississippi Bluff. Among the commanders of these bases were such figures as the famed explorers Meriwether Lewis and Zebulon Pike, and the 12th President of the United States, Zachary Taylor. What is now downtown Memphis was a Spanish military outpost under the command of Manuel Gayoso. Until the American army took over the site two years later, Gayoso's soldiers manned a fort and surrounding buildings where the pyramid stands today. Although the forts were later abandoned as the frontier moved further to the west, the legacies of the men who commanded them made a lasting imprint on our cultural heritage, including the names of our streets and landmarks. Those who walk Gayoso Avenue today trace the footsteps of some of our nation's most revered icons. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. My guest today, Rob Clement, Scott Jordan. We've been talking about elder abuse, a real big subject we get a lot of questions about, and we've given you some tips of how to avoid elder abuse. Now, I really want to shift gears a little bit, but I want to talk about things that you should consider when you're selecting a trustee. But, Scott, before I get into selecting a trustee, a lot of people don't understand or don't you know, really grasp the need And not everybody needs a trust, but just help us a little bit. There's two kinds of trust, and describe those for us, and then kind of give us the insight into why I would need a trust, or why not. That's the thought. Sure. Well, first of all, let me say uh, what a a trust is. A trust is is really just a legal arrangement where you, you transfer a person's property or assets. Those are entrusted to a third party called a trustee. And they are to manage that property on behalf of the beneficiaries of the trust. Okay, so that, so, in a nutshell, is okay. what a trust is and I've what that is. I've transferred it into this box right. called the trust. Correct. And I've got a trustee that's going to manage the box on my behalf. Correct. Got it. 
Lots of different terms and arrangements that can be spelled out in that. I'm going to call in, it a box, it, but that's okay. I like the box analogy. That's perfect. <laughs> so really there's two types. There's a living trust. That's uh, sometimes referred to as an inter vivos trust. That's one that's established while a person is alive. And then there's also a testamentary trust. A testamentary trust is one that's created in the will that doesn't become effective until the person has passed away. All right, let me put this in my thoughts. Okay. I have a if I have a living trust that it's I've appointed somebody as my trustee to take care of what I have in the box for me. I'm alive. Correct. Okay, that's a living trust. If I die, that living trust goes away and I'm gone. So nobody's managing it for me, but they would be managing what's in if I have a testamentary trust, they'd be managing the box for Miss Linda as the trustee, correct. Okay, correct. I got it. On, on behalf. That's that's a good. That, that sounds. You think good, that's Jeff. the first time I've ever talked that's, about that? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> now you know we see a lot of times with a living trust, the person who establishes establishes the trust will be the trustee during their okay. life. But, okay, but you know sometimes they name right. another. So person I could be my own trustee. You could be your own trustee, okay. manage your own assets. But of course, at death, that's somebody right. else is going to have it. to be the I trustee. Got it. Why create a revocable trust? Well, there's lots of good reasons. Uh, uh, two that come to mind are, are management, you know, professional management of assets during one's lifetime, or also professional management of assets in the event of incapacity, which is a big one. Kind of ties in back to what we were talking about earlier, that elder abuse. Um, you know, in situations where there's cognitive decline, there's a, there's a good reason to have a trust in place for the professional management of assets. Uh, you also escape the probate process, so it's easier to pass property through the use of a trust. And uh, also avoiding that ancillary uh, administration. Uh, for instance, if you own real estate in multiple states, real estate is one of those assets that gets probated in, in the site of where it is located. So you can, be, you can be subject to multiple probates if you own property in multiple states. So a trust can eliminate I that problem. I put it in the box and I don't... I don't put it in the box, okay. eliminates that problem. And, and also, you know, a big one is to maintain privacy. When something goes through pro- probate, that all gets published. So a lot of times people want to keep their assets and what they're giving away to people private. So a Scott, trust can one help of the, accomplish one of the that. biggest issues I hear, and this is something that so many times, and Rob, you hear this too, we, we talk about this a lot, the trust can only be as successful as the trustee who's managing it. And that's kind of what I wanted today's program to kind of talk about a little bit is uh, how, how do you, what are the things you should consider when selecting a trustee. And and Rob, from your perspective, when you're talking to people, do you find that people want the family member to be a trustee or, or do you see it they want to be the corporation? What what do you hear? Well, it's it's really split between those. Uh, I see family members uh, end up being most often the default. They come to that position and say, well, let's let's put a family member here, Rob. What do you think about that? And then uh, my position usually is to to give a counter thought to say, well, let's think that through, but also let's think about a corporate trustee and what are the pros and cons of each one. So I can't say that I see one more than the other, but typically, I guess I if squeezed, I'd say family tends to be family only. Well, I can understand that being kind of the the biggest decision that a right. person's making when they're putting this box together, the trust. 
I think sometimes that it's making that choice of family versus professional. Scott, help us with this. Help us go through some ideas of what we should be looking at. If a family member is chosen, what should we consider? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost is, is the person competent and are they educated enough on final financial matters to handle what needs to be done in the trust? Trust, you know, can be pretty simple, but they can also be pretty complex. So you want to make sure that person understands their role and they're competent to handle that role. Um, and also, do they have the time to do it? You know, a lot of times we're, we see family members' names, maybe, maybe an oldest child or, or one of the children named, and, and they may live in another state. They're busy with their own career and lives and family. Do they have time to manage the trust? That's a so big that's question a, because sometimes that can really create a problem. That person's in charge, but they don't have the time to concentrate on it. And and mom or mom-in-law, you know, mother-in-law is, is needs something, and they're not getting taken care of. That's yep. the problem. Absolutely. So what's another one, Phil? And this is a big one. Family conflicts. Uh, we've seen this time and time again. When one person is picked, that's all of a sudden they can be viewed as the favorite. Uh, they're the person that is controlling. And you know that money is a fearsome force and can really get involved in relationships and cause a lot of problems. Well, that's so, true. That person that's named as the trustee can all uh, can become a very villain by the rest of the family because they're kind of controlling everything, seen as the favorite. So it's a lot of conflict, a lot of family conflict can be caused by naming a family member as the trustee. You know, we've sat around the table with a lot of people, and, and you know, naming a family member, there are some strong benefits. We, we have no question absolutely, about that. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but if you're looking at the negatives and you go through that process, you'd almost say, no way. You know, that family conflict is such a, nobody wants that. I can remember my mom. She says, you know, basically a year before she she passes away, she says, now I want you, talking to me, yeah. to take care of your sister. Right. Now, she didn't tell it to her, <laughs> my sister, my <laughs> brother-in-law. She's saying it to me. Right. But, uh, you know, why? Because in, in my mom's eyes at the time, I was still big brother. Right. And right. that's where it was. And so I can see if I'd have stepped in and said, hey, my mom said take care of my sister, I might have had a little bit of a problem with a father, with a son, my brother-in-law. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. He was, he was Absolutely. gracious. He's still gracious. But I mean, the point is, you have to be sensitive to that. Yes. But Rob Water, if those are some of the problems, describe some of the benefits that we need to think about when we're looking at a, a benefit with a trustee. Well, would you have asked your mother a to family pay? Trustee. Would you have asked your mother to pay you? No. Okay, so that's the first benefit right there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have done any good. That's right. <laughs> you know, there are things you know you don't ask. Right, right. Right. So there's no fees often from family. There's okay. there's nothing there financially. So and, and the other thing is you have a personal stake in this. You know, you got some uh, skin in the game that's here. That's the point. So you're you know, you're really seeking the best for your family member and loved ones. So, uh, and the other thing is, you you may know things and understand things about the family better than other people would know. They're in a different outsiders looking in that would be a personal corporate trust. So uh, that's a so, great point. Yeah. So it, it's it's uh, what you and Scott have been talking about are so important for a family just to talk about the roles and responsibilities. If your mother would have set you down and your sister down and they and you all began to have that as a family discussion, then that's a that's a great legacy to remember by. That's true. That's a great, great point. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest today, Scott Jordan and Rob Clement, we've talked about elder abuse. Now we're going into how to select a trustee to protect the elder. 
We've talked about a family member. There are some downsides, you know, on choosing a family member. We'll talk a little bit about that. But when we come back, we're really going to find out a lot about professional or the corporate trustee. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Scott Jordan and Rob Clement. We're talking about elder abuse, and now we've discussed a little bit about how to select a trustee to protect that elder or just to protect the family. Because you get so many things that we've talked about. You get the dynamics of a family can get kind of out of sync and kind of get frustrated. And sometimes there's elder abuse from that family member. So you've got all kind of things like that. Just remind you that if you think or suspect elder abuse, I'm going to give this to you one more time. FamilySafetyCenter.org. FamilySafetyCenter.org. Or you can go online at ShoemakerFinancial.com. Just simply go to our website. Go to the resource tab. And uh, it's just there for useful websites. It's easy to find. Just go to Shoemaker Financial and go to our website. And you can find it just on the resource tab. Now, guys, here's we are. Here we are. We got in closing few minutes here. We've talked about a family member. We've talked about the pros and the cons, the 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 abuse that could occur and the benefits. It's less expensive. The family knows the dynamics. They're working together. My mom and you know tells me take care of you. I mean I got all that. I knew exactly what she was talking about. Now the downside, Scott, of choosing that family member I mean, one of the biggest concerns I have is the expertise. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, they may lack the financial expertise or the knowledge to handle all the things that the trust must administer, whether it's investing money, you know, sometimes it's paying bills, uh, filling out tax returns, accounting for everything. That can take a, a lot of expertise, and sometimes, you know, that family member may lack that expertise. You know, one of the things that I've seen in that is, personally, my father was uh, in that role within his family, uh, but dad was the uh, oldest of the male siblings in the family, and he was dealing with the aging process. So years back when he was appointed, now advance that 15, 20, 25 years, he's not as confident as he was before. He knows it, but he's questioning. So my phone rings, and he wants to talk to me. Would you mind going with me to yeah, help with this? Makes so, sense. so that's, again, that's a concern. That's but, you, point. but you talk about that, and that brings up a point also when you choose a family member. And in 15, 20 years, 25 years, mortality. Mortality right. is a big one. Yes. Mortality is a big, huge. So corporate trustee, Scott. Professional or corporate trustee? You know, I think, a pre, uh, you know, corporate trustees a lot of time are used in larger, more in, in, intricate trust. Uh, you know, they bring experience, objectivity. Uh, they have extensive resources to ensure that the trust is, is administered according to the terms that were laid out in the trust. Uh, and then going back to the mortality problem, corporate trustee provides that longevity. Uh, there's always going to be a trustee there or they will be succeeded by another corporation that will step into that role. You know, one of the things that I like about what a corporate trustee, but an individual could do the same thing too, but I'm thinking back to the elder abuse problem. you got the widow out there. She's 85 years old. She's got three kids, four kids, whatever, and they're trying their best to do what they can. From, but they're busy. they got kids of their own. It's right. a sandwich right. generation. And here you've got a corporate trustee, and we have corporate trustees. We work with some that yes. actually will pay every bill They'll for, handle for mom yep. or, or dad 
and there's no I mean they just take care of it and, and, and you and have that third party watching over watch everything. over you yeah. and that keeps it from being a problem with elder abuse and yep. that is worth something if you're talking about protecting some assets or protecting mom from all of a sudden being 85 90 95 I mean, we don't. We didn't have this problem forty years ago, guys. But right. the reality is, it's a real problem today. Um, what are disadvantages, Scott? If you go to pick a trustee, I, I think number one is the cost. You know, then you got to look at the cost. The cost of using a corporate trustee can be a little more expensive. So you need but to, you know, you got it. You have to look around, at the cost. Don't just yep. choose the first one. You, you know, you have, if you're going to use a bank or trust company, you have to expect to pay, pay a fee. So absolutely, chop around. And then, uh, you know, they may not, a corporate trustee may not be as familiar with the family dynamics. And it can seem a little impersonal dealing with a corporate trustee if they don't understand everything. Now, I think that can also be a benefit in maintaining family harmony. The corporate trustee can step in and solve conflicts. And you know that, what I they, like too is sometimes you know you may not always have the same member, the same person with the corporation. It may change, but the reality is the big umbrellas, the corporate and the individuals yeah. are there to serve you. Guys, in closing, and I appreciate everything you said. This has been so important to go through this process. But is there an approach, you know, Scott, that solves this whole problem? Absolutely. What is yeah, it? We call it a middle-of-the-road approach. You use a family member, and then you also name a co-trustee as a corporate trustee. A third party, another set of eyes to look over everything. So you're looking at the family member, a trustee, a corporate trustee, they're co-trustees. So you got that independent investment advisor who's managed the assets. You might even lower the fees by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and sometimes people just use a, a third party for the investment management piece. That's of a it. great A piece. trustee can can appoint somebody else to handle that role. Guys, you've done a great job. I appreciate it very much, Rob. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Jim. Good to be here. Thank you, Scott. Love doing it, Jim. Thanks for having me. You guys did a wonderful job. You've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guests, Scott Jordan and Rob Clement, if you would like to talk with them personally about today's subject, call them at 757-5757 or go online. Just ask them for an appointment. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. And as always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, and just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be glad to get them on air. And that's exactly how we put the programs together. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker, your host. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Thank you.